The Old Testament book of Jonah is not the story of a great fish. It is the story of a great God. In a world on the verge of judgment and desperate for a spiritual awakening, it holds a message we all need. Salvation is of the Lord. Join us in the book of Jonah today as we study God's Word with Scott Pauley. What does God want from me anyway? Have you ever had that question? Have you ever pondered what is it God really wants? Would you like to know the answer? God wants you, and he wants all of you. God wants obedience. We're studying through the book of Jonah, and we're looking at Jonah running in Jonah chapter number one away from the presence of the Lord. Let's, let's review for just a moment because God has given us several things. We have a revelation. The revelation is that there's nothing greater in life than God's presence. We have an application. The application is that every one of us is either moving toward the Lord or we're moving further from the Lord. Which direction are you going today? And then we have a declaration. The declaration is that any step away from God is always a step down. Do you see the downward slide of Jonah? How sad, how tragic it is to see him move from where he was to where he ended up. But then, praise God, we come to a great invitation in Jonah chapter number 1 because essentially what the Lord is doing here is he's inviting Jonah back into his presence. Now, granted, he was only going to come back into the presence of God in the belly of a great fish in the bottom of the sea. Uh, but God was not calling Jonah to some place. He was calling Jonah back to himself. And I want to say to you today, what is true of Jonah is true of me and of you. God is inviting you at this moment to come into the presence of the Lord, to come near him. Oh, listen to the words of James. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. It's ironic, isn't it, that really the only heathen on board the ship in the end was Jonah. The rest of these mariners will end up turning to God. But Jonah was the one man who couldn't pray. Some of us are more concerned about the wickedness of uh, the mariners or the wickedness of Nineveh than we are our own disobedience to God. And so I ask again, what is it that God wants from us anyway? In Jonah chapter number one, we've learned already that the presence of God is always connected to his word. He wants us in his word. And then we've learned that the presence of God is always connected to his will. He wants us to be in his will. And what was his will? We learned in verse 6, it was God's will that Jonah wake up. It's God's will that we wake up. The apostle Paul said, knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep. I'm afraid God's people are sleeping their way into eternity while an entire world slumbers its way to hell. It's time we all wake up. How do we expect lost people to awaken if the church is not awake, then it's not only God's will that we awaken, it's God's will that we confess. Jonah, in verse 9 and verse 10, has to actually say with his mouth, I'm an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. He had to tell them, in verse number 10, I'm fleeing from the presence of the Lord. A friend, the first step to being right with God is confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for that principle and that promise. God says, if you will confess your sin, I'll do my part. Oh, dear listener, you come clean with God 
and God will make you clean. You can be very sure today God is always faithful. He is always just. He always forgives, and he always cleanses. He always does his part if we confess. The word confess doesn't mean you beg God to do it. doesn't mean that you convince God you're really sorry. God knows your heart. The word confess simply means to say the same thing about your sin God says about it. This is powerful. The moment you agree with God, the moment you stop blaming others or excusing your sin or trying to hide something, the moment you say exactly about your sin what God says about it, God says, that's good. Now you're forgiven, and now you're cleansed. So Jonah awakens, he confesses, and then he surrenders. Remember in verse 12, he says to them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. What he was saying was, I'm willing to die. I'm willing to come to the end of myself. Life is not worth living out of the presence of God. By the way, let me just pause and say this. Uh, It's not my conviction that Jonah here was wanting to commit suicide or take his own life. He's seeking, you see, to spare these men, these other mariners, and he recognizes that the fault is his own. I want to just say to you, in a day when depression is on the rise and suicide rates are, are alarmingly high, every few seconds, young people are attempting to take their own life. A friend, Solomon said, a living dog is better than a dead lion. That means if you're still breathing, there's still hope. You may feel like a dog today and not much of a lion at all, but if you're alive... God has a purpose and plan for you. Suicide is never the answer. Ending your life is never the answer. What Jonah needed was not to die. It was to die to self. It was not to to lose his life, but rather it was to surrender his life to God. And this moment of surrender became not the end, but a new beginning. Let's read the rest of chapter number 1. The Bible says in verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from a raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Notice, it doesn't say God, as they said earlier in verse 16. It is the the Jewish Uh, the Hebrew name, Lord. This is Yahweh. This is the covenant name. They became believers. That's powerful, isn't it? Verse 17 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I say again, God was bringing Jonah to himself, not to a fish. God had prepared the fish. God had prepared everything because he was going to meet Jonah in this moment of desperation. God not only wanted Jonah to awaken and confess and surrender, ultimately he wanted him to obey. And I want to say to you today, God wants all of us to awaken and confess and surrender and then to obey. Do you remember the first response of Jonah? His first response was run, (laughs) make a run for it. He, He ran, he fled from the presence of the Lord. Now what is he going to do? Listen to the end of the chapter. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We're going to find in the next chapter what he did while he was in the belly of the fish, but in short, he just had to wait three days and three nights. First he ran, now he waits. I wonder, how long will it take for God to get our attention? How long will it take for us to come to the end of ourselves? How long will it take for us to pray and confess? How long will it take for us 
to obey. Dear friend, it is time for all of us to obey God, not just Jonah. It's easy to talk about Jonah. It's time for us to obey God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Maybe you feel like you're in the great fish. You're at the bottom of the sea. You're in the depths. You're covered up with it today. Jesus said, if you'll just obey me right where you are, we'll come to you. If you'll obey me right where you are today, Jesus said, me and the Father, we'll come and make our abode with that person. Would you like the Lord to meet you there, to be with you there? Then obey God right where you are. One of my dear friends was dying, and uh, he testified to me that the last days of his life, his dying days, were the greatest days of his life because he had the greatest sense of God's presence, such joy in the presence of God. I want to say to you today, dear listener, that wherever you are and whatever you're dealing with, if you'll come clean with God and obey God right where you are, God will make these days the greatest days of your life lived in the presence of the Lord. Do you want to go further in your study of the Bible? Visit us at enjoyingthejourney.org. You will find hundreds of articles, sermons, and podcast episodes in our online library. You can search the archive by scripture or subject, and we trust it will help you as you continue your journey in scripture. Thanks for listening, and we hope you will join us again next time on Enjoying the Journey.